spreadsheet now so i can actually see what episode this is going to be all right this cool. is going to be episode 11 really 10 if you count if you don't count the intro episode of the juice and the juice is a podcast where i talk about well where i talk to friends and musicians that i look up to about their favorite movie essentially and the juice is different for everyone um and I'm with Nick Lee from Moontooth, uh, a band that we've um we've grown up with essentially, and uh, we've we've done we haven't done any long tours with you guys, but we've done a handful of short stuff and played countless shows. And uh, by the time that this episode comes out, we'll be playing a show tomorrow in Brooklyn together, which will be pretty fun. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm with Nick Lee from Moontooth, and what is the juice for you, Nick? um my favorite movie is a hard thing to do because i love movies but um, yeah first thing that came to mind when you asked me to do this was there will be blood yeah um i just it's i just never get tired of watching it um and i kind of just like uh i feel like daniel day lewis is like the best actor of all time yeah and um um and yeah i don't know i just when i think um I, it's hard to remember, but I think uh, Anthony Lopardo, uh, who owns the studio Westfall with Moontooth drummer Ray, I think he showed it to me mm. initially, and I didn't expect to. I didn't know what it was, and I didn't expect to like it as much as it, I did. Yeah, and I was just—I've just been obsessed with it ever since. Well, so the the so this is my third time doing "There Will Be Blood," um, and and I think that that's like a perfect way to put it because. The second time that I'd watched it, I watched it with, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy is the bass player of our, I, I talk about it on the pod and, uh, but the pit, the pinheads is what we call ourselves. Essentially. We did a, there will yeah. be blood and Hey, there he is pinhead himself. <laughs> <That laughs> so maybe would have been number two. Yeah. Hellraiser. We should. Yeah, and love I say, Nick, I say this every episode to every guest, but I'm going to do repeats of guests. We should do Hellraiser in, you know, like a year or whatever. That would be a lot of fun. I'm down. That's one of my favorite movies. Um, so that that would actually be great. Um, but so there will be blood. Is I I think it was Jeremy's brother was watching it for the first time. I could be wrong, but he he looked at us and he was like, "I don't know why I love this movie so much. On paper, I should be bored, but this is like so compelling." And I'm I'm a big boring movies guy. Like I, I can get like drawn into something and just like soak in kind of what's going on in the movie and just put myself in there. Hangout movies or just like I, I'm a big period piece guy. And this this kind of it's not a hangout movie, but it, it falls a little bit into period piece. It's not quite like what you think of like like another Daniel Day Lewis movie. You ever see The Age of Innocence? No. So. Age of Innocence is Martin Scorsese and Winona Ryder and Michelle Pfeiffer. And it's just like a, a, a romance from the early 90s. And it's set in like the 17, 1800s or even maybe even earlier. And, you know, it's just like I wouldn't call it a generic romance, but it's just like a romance, like a costume drama. But man, he's so good. But 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 either way, like I can just kind of like soak in and get involved. Uh, and, and like put myself in these movies but but there will be blood has this kind of like it's got this juice like you said you just kind of like are enveloped in it while you're watching it and so right. what what i want to do first is you said that this was hard because you like so many movies i want to talk about your relationship with movies essentially growing up like what was what was your relationship with them? How uh, did you have a favorite movie growing up? Or like, you know, one that you kept like, I know that like we're of that age where, you know, we had VHS and like, or or even just early DVD. And mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but a lot of people that I, I, me, myself included, that I would talk to, we'd have like something that we would go back to all the time. Or just like your relationship with movies growing up, essentially. What, what, what was that? Uh, 
you know, we talked a little bit before we started, like definitely anything that became Stephen King, like the sh or, or Stephen King became movies like Shining, the first It, uh, which was like the double VHS. Yeah. Um, Tim Curry. Uh, and, and then like, and I think I even like, I was just in the hospital for a long time. I, what I looked for was Terminator 2 first predator and like aliens like yeah sure movies those were always like good like those are like probably once a year you yeah. know and you know i never really get tired of those um and then i was thinking about like what made there will be blood special and you know because obviously it's a very different thing than those yeah. movies right uh, those movies are just fun you could put those on the party or whatever yeah and you know watch like just just for the arnold just for the quotes and stuff from mm -hmm. Arnold quotes and shit, but um, so there will be blood. I believe came out in two thousand seven. I graduated high school in two thousand seven, and I started getting into Radiohead. And Johnny Greenwood did the music for Yeah, be blood. Yeah, I, yep. I used to listen to the soundtrack as if it it was like a, a record that you know I bought. I was obsessed with the still still can put that on just to listen to. Yeah, um, it was also on. America started pulling troops out of Iraq, I believe. Is, 2007, is, okay, 2007, right. You know, yeah. it's, and this whole movie is about oil and American ingenuity and and it's just it's just all these things that kind of connect together. Um, and just kind of my, like, I don't know, just growing up a little bit. And, and, and I don't know, there's just a lot right. of things, just, just American, like, the, the the hard work, the labor, the ruthlessness, the violence and greed of, like, all these things that kind of just... Were faith to a certain same. extent, too. Faith and religion to a certain extent. And that was the other part of it, is, like, the religion and the deceit that goes in with the Christianity to get people to do what you want them to do, and, and uh, Eli, and what he, and what he yeah. does in the movie, and, and I love that, just, like, that... Um, Daniel Plainview, like, you know, it's like he's like this ruthless kind of greedy character, but then they show things in the movie where he like, you know, H where, where he like just shows love to HW like he didn't yep. have to he didn't have to adopt him and like he mm -hmm. didn't have to like there are times where yes, he you know, he abandoned his boy and all that shit like there's things that he does that were were bad, but obviously and then obviously as he gets older he becomes more and more just like yeah i don't yeah. know he cares less about him but you know there's 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 things in the movie that you just it's um just show that like he wasn't only like an, an a greedy evil character like he was trying to do a lot of different things but he yeah. certainly wasn't relig religious and no, he certainly no. wasn't trying to be a family-based person, but he loved yeah. HW. He just didn't know how to and take care of him and he, he, everything else. Yeah, and he, he liked to, while, you, while he wasn't a family person and he was he was kind of just more business-oriented and kind of that cutthroat, like you were saying, like American, especially like old-school American kind of like entrepreneur. Uh, it's one of those things where he liked to sell the people that he was selling himself on that he was a family man which is kind mm -hmm. of like another layer to to all of this but but so you'd mentioned we'll we'll get into the plot in a second because a, a lot of what you said is kind of what like my notes were kind of about and you touched on a lot of little things that i want to kind of that i want to kind of bring up again like right back down to the score um but so your relationship with you already kind of went over it a little bit. So, so your relationship with movies, just growing up, you were you were drawn to some like '90s horror stuff, '80s '90s horror stuff, um, and and you were talking about while you were recovering in the hospital um, from the autoimmune disease that you have, uh, you would gravitate towards movies. Uh, I was I was gonna ask about kind of like your relationship with movies while you were recovering, and and if it's been like a comfort like or a comfort help. Movies. Yeah. Yeah, they so, shouldn't be like, but <laughs> they, they no. are, my, my wife and I watched uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs like three times <laughs> while I was like laying in a hospital bed, mostly because we never got to finish it before they got kicked out. You know, you're only allowed to stay so long sure. or whatever, but that's another one, you know, it's just like, 
just because they have great quotes and they just, you know, we can't find movies like that anymore. I remember being scared shitless of The Shining as a, as a little kid, sure. you know. Yeah. Um, but that's what makes them come back, you know. So uh, Silence of the Lambs is another really good. That's another like one of my Mount, definitely a Mount Rushmore horror movie, but it's it's also a lot more than like a lot more than just a horror movie. That that thing is unbelievable. But but okay, so so and and for what it's worth, your comfort movies align with especially growing up mine and what my dad was like. My dad, huge alien, aliens, predator, um, Terminator, the fly. That that it, it, that's the stuff that I kind of grew up on. He wasn't super into slashers. We had a conversation about slashers before we started, but mm-hmm. um, he was this like always watching good and bad sci-fi and sci-fi horror and stuff like that. I do think he even had an affinity for like Jason X because just because it was in space. Um, but, but either way. So uh, I, I like that those are kind of your comfort movies as well. They kind of like line up with mine to a certain extent. Um, but, but let's, let's get into this. You already kind of talked about how Lepardo, uh showed you this movie. What is, what is your relationship with this movie? Do you remember like the the first time that you watched it i was probably just smoked a bowl and just put a movie on and then just like you know like he you know that first scene of like he you know falls into the the he falls into the the hole and then you just see him having to kind of push himself on one leg through the desert like he's by himself like and you just get that realization of like how the hell did you like even know, you know, to do like you know, someone told you that you could make money and a living off of digging for oil, but you had to dig so deep into the earth and you were by yourself. He didn't even have a partner yep. at that point. Yeah. So he, when he got hurt and had to dig him, you know, push himself out, you know, or and, and will push himself through the desert. It's just like, you know, people don't live like that anymore. You know, it's like there's no. just there's just the this this toughness to it, this ingenuity, the ingenuity that just doesn't exist in, anymore. And then I like immediately was just so like um, drawn into the movie, like immediately, like from yeah. that moment. And obviously, there's slow moments in it, but it's like the character itself is just like. He's just brutal, you know, even yeah. when he's being like, even in the moments where he's like, uh, I love the scene when, um, uh, so he, he buys the, the land and from the, the father who has a very small role. And then the yeah. daughter is running around playing with HW, his son, and he catches her and he goes, his daddy doesn't hit you anymore, does he? Oh, yeah. you know? And yeah. dad is sitting right there and he just looks at him like, like just embarrassed and just kind of like. Like he's being, he's doing something very sweet there, but he's brutal and ruthless while he's doing it. You know, like I've, yep. I just don't, I don't think I've ever seen that in a, in another movie. It's hard to say, um, who's like portrayed or, or a character that I've seen like that in another movie. You know, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to rack my brain a little bit. You, Citizen Kane actually has a little bit of that. Uh, okay. I don't. I don't know if you've seen or when the last time that you watched Citizen Kane, because I know a lot of people watch it in high school. Like it's one of those, like we're putting on Citizen Kane type of things. It's been a long time. It's, it's, it's got a little bit of that. Like that's one of those ones where you're like Citizen Kane, let's see how this ages. Um, And it's like, man, that thing, that thing just rips. Mm -hmm. Um, But there, there is a little bit of that hard nosed and like a little bit more common in that kind of like thirties, forties, fifties, and I wouldn't even really say in those movies because a lot of the, at least the ones that I'm drawn to from that time are kind of like the smarmy detective, like noir, like, you know, um, not, it, it, they're, they're, they are portraying a kind of like tough guy, but it's not cutthroat like business. And you know what, you know what the other one, even though he's absolutely the bad guy and it's not kind of like the center of the movie, but what was the last time you watched it? It's a Wonderful Life. Oh man, not in at least a decade, yeah. probably. The, the uh, I forget the guy's name because I, I literally just watched it for the first time this Christmas. And um, the the guy who kind of run, I, I I cannot believe that I'm forgetting his name, but he's kind of of that too. But but 
a lot of times these people aren't nuanced. I think Citizen Kane is an exception, especially for that time. Um, but at least what I'm thinking of, I'm sure there's a million examples that like I either don't know of or I can't I can't wreck my brain for. But mm-hmm. what to to what you're saying about Daniel Day Lewis, and and it's a te- it's a testament to him as an actor as well. But there is nuance to it, and I feel like the more and more you know it's it's a little bit with uh it's a little bit to do with like uh people are very very online now and like kind of like really drawn into the world of being online and and for whatever reason there's so much less nuance when you just just when you get to know someone online or are you know just on an online space or in an online space and people want less nuance or at least paint things a lot more broadly and and I think that something that's so incredible about this movie and a lot of terrible people is, and I, it, it's just that like there is good to them as well, and yeah. and that's so interesting, and and that's why when you it's it's almost maybe a little bit of a reason why I'm drawn to so many slashers because it's like there's no nuance to Michael Myers. The guy is pure evil. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I, I if there is nuance, it's very very little. At least in that original, it's just, hey, I am uh, pure evil. Sure. Um, My favorite and, and, of those is, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre for that reason. That's why that sure. scared the shit out of me as a kid. Because it was like, how can this movie even exist? It's just sure. so ugly, you know? Yeah. And then when every time they remake it, it's like, all right. You know, it's kind of like, yeah. this already happened. And, you know, yeah. it's like, you didn't need to remake it, you know? But I yeah. know, yeah, that's exactly what you mean. It's like, it's a nuanced actor, you know? It's like, he's, there's just so many layers to it, you know? Yeah, huh. yeah, he's, it's it's both him being able to convey that on screen and just the character as written. Um, and, and so this is based off of a book from, it's called Oil, and I think it's from the early 1900s? Yes, and I've tried to read it, and I can't read it. It's t- it's, it's, it's tough. Too- it's too early English. I mean, maybe I should try again. I should try again. I got some time on my hands, but as it was, it's it's part of that book. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. And if I'm remembering correctly, it's part of that book, but like it's so early English that it's hard to. It's It's, tough. it's really hard to to like understand. You have to go really like I had to go really slow, slow, slowly through it. It's like uh, what's like the. Uh, it's like if you try to read this. What's the Scottish heroine movie that the name? Oh, is? Uh, Train Spotting. Yeah, like if you try to read. Have you ever tried to read that book? I never have, but I, I just rewatched Train Spotting for the for the first time in a couple of years, like last week, and I'm like so I'm like so jazzed on Train Spotting right now, which is pretty funny. It's a great movie. They bring that up. It's incredible, and it's. If you read the book, it's so like uh, like a Scottish like, like a Clockwork Orange movies. a little bit. Like a Clockwork Orange a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's hard. I like watching. I last time I watched that movie, I put the the um, subtitles, uh, the subtitles on, and it just helped. Yep. You know, it just. Oh yeah. I have to blare it the volume just to make sure I understand what the fuck is being said. I'm a but, big subtitles guy with just about everything I uh, with everything I watch. But yeah, so the book, yeah, I gotta I gotta read that. I think the the closest. Un- the the most unreadable thing that I've read recently is um when that Green Knight movie came out I was like oh let me read this poem because that's this movie mm-hmm. was interesting I liked it a lot let me read this poem and um I it, I I got through it but I especially if I had not had the guidance of seeing the movie beforehand I do not know if I would have been able to kind of know what was going on so you you tried to read Oil after There Will Be Blood I assume. Yeah, I had no idea about it. And if I'm remembering correctly, the oil is the book, and then there will be blood is part of the book. I could be wrong about that, but I remember picking it up and being like one page and being like, I have no idea what the fuck is being said. (laughs) Right, it's just too old English. Like I can't. Right, it's 1898. Like in the movie, you can kind of you understand. You know, you have to pay attention, but you you get what what's being said. Yeah, in the book, it's just it's just too. You you know, you have to. They're really it's like reading a textbook or something you know yeah yeah but and I'm, a while. Sh- I'm sure that so I'm, i was gonna ask because we're at the end of these at the end of these pods i play a game and they're centered around an actor or a director and i picked pta as the 
center of the game. Do, are you, uh, do you like, do you like a lot of other PTA Paul Thomas Anderson stuff? Um, I, I probably do. I just, I can't think of them off the top of my head. So, so I'm, I'll, because he's got such a, sh it's a short filmography, but he's got, and this will help you kind of prep for the game is uh, like a little bit less of like a game and more of like just questions for talking points essentially. But okay. PTA, uh, I'm going to go through his filmography right now. And this is like, kind of like smack dab in the middle of it. Um, and it's, it's short, but it's like everything hits. So 96 Heart 8. That's one that's kind of like a little more under the radar, um, but it rips. 97 Boogie Nights. Um, 99 Magnolia. 2002 Punch Drunk Love. 2007 There Will Be Blood. 2012 The Master. 2014 Inherent Vice. Then Phantom Thread. Then Licorice Pizza. Um, and so... If I've seen, I know I've seen Boogie Nights. I know I've I've seen any all those once, and I remember enjoying them, but nothing like There Will Be Blood. I couldn't I couldn't talk about them like I, I could talk right. about There Will Be Blood. Absolutely. So, but but I think the thing with PTA is throughout is like throughout the filmography, and I I kind of feel like maybe it starts. I haven't seen Magnolia, but I think Boogie Nights is pretty digestible, and it's set in the '70s, so that language right. is kind of just but. Phantom Thread is set a little bit back. It's about a dressmaker. Um, and even the master, just like the the pure, like kind of like um it the absurdness of just like the the you know the uh environment of being in a cult and stuff like that. Like I'm sure the language is uh and, and the way that the movie flows and, and it's it's not dumbed down is not the right word but he knows how to kind of sell it to a broader audience and i think that it's no uh and this is a bit of a spoiler for the game but i think it's no um coincidence that something like there will be blood is uh like his biggest success in terms of box office it's that combination of uh both daniel day lewis and like kind of like I, I'm curious to see if maybe the oil aspect has anything to do with it with kind of like Iraq is on people's minds like you're talking about. So before we get into specific and favorite parts in the movie, the one thing that I forgot to ask was we I was I was asking about your relationship with movies and stuff like that. But the one thing that especially I'm curious with you, um, what's your like basically the relationship not only with movies, but like in terms of like a creative angle where like is there any kind of comparable in your brain to movies and music in terms of the way that you write the way that like you kind of take stuff in like is, is there anything connected there that you're cognizant of um it's really it, you know my favorite quote that i've picked up recently is uh that i've been throwing at some of my guitar students is uh one plus one equals three Right. Uh -huh. it's a, it's a just kind of like the weirder you can get with it. And I'm sure you can relate to this is that, you know, the weirder you can get to it, uh, get with it and, and also make it make sense to a scene. I like, yeah. I love that, you know, like, it's like, uh, with our last record, like I, I really tried to just get, just get as weird as possible, but also write a, like a, like a song song, you know, like right. a pop song essentially, but make it, it pretty weird as far as guitar goes um and then this with the johnny greenwood soundtrack for this with the score it's kind of like i don't know it's so it's like the way it like reflects his emotions and yeah scene is like i've never seen it quite like that in another movie or i you know now that you're asking me that i'll probably be looking for that more but um i can't say a specific movie but it's i'm always cognizant of the score in general you know so that yeah that that's that's been the answer for the most part is kind of usually the people the score there's bits i'm sure like either melodic tendencies or even like little phrasing that you hear that maybe you're like that's sick or even just the mood like you're talking but mm -hmm. i like the overall idea of um and this this kind of lines up with my my obsession with structure um your idea of one plus one equals three make it weird but like almost sell people on it where it's like kind of like you want to write a pop song but like you're saying it's 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 a pop song but it's it within it there's a lot going on or at least it's more strange than a pop song would be 
so that's my kind of like my structure thing where I, I I look at like movies like I I over the pandemic I kind of became obsessed with song structure specifically and I would like kind of like every it, it means something different to everyone which kind of lines up with the one plus one equals three thing and like you being a guitar player who studies a lot of stuff like the uh Alan Holdsworth kind of like his idea of music theory being completely different from traditional music theory or he's just like I don't like certain notes next to each other so to me they don't exist like his kind of like his, his his idea of um you know he has different scales from traditional scales and they all right. he numbers them and they all make sense to him differently but he's right. still able if i show a student this this is one and this is four and this is five and this is your minor six but then yeah. you throw this weirdo in there like yeah. what makes that interesting it's the weirdo it's not it's not the ones that have been been heard a billion times it's the fucking weirdo that you throw in there like so but my weirdo and your weirdo are probably totally different, you know. Yeah. What I mean? But if I yeah. hear yours, I might find a place for it somewhere at some point. You know what I mean? So, it's always it's just about like it. It makes sense to learn, you know, music theory by the books, so that you can fuck with it, you know. And then and then you can surprise people, you know. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully surprise people in a in a good way. But if not, then, then <laughs> fuck them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good way of putting it. But yeah. So it's kind of like the, the thing that I've been trying to pull from a movie. There's, there's a bunch of different stuff that I can now I'm trying not only just the score, but visually trying to like, I'm visually trying to see like, if there's anything that can influence my the way that I approach songwriting or like any kind of any kind of little bit of being immersed in a band essentially and being a musician um mm -hmm. and so one one of mine is kind of unorthodox uh song structure or at least straying from um you know uh, a traditional song structure and then it's it's come wrapped right back around and you know what maybe a traditional song structure is cool or a shorter song structure but but absolutely manipulating certain parts of it like you're talking about kind of um and so while I think that this movie kind of like, I don't think it necessarily follows like a traditional structure, but I don't think it doesn't either. I think that like the climax being what it is, is a little bit peculiar, uh, yeah. not, pecu but peculiar in the sense of like, if you're, if you're showing like your mom, this movie and you're like, <laughs> it's, it's one of those, like, that's it moments for a lot of like people who just kind of like, Hey, you got to check this movie out. It's unbelievable. And, and sometimes the, you know, the end catches people off off guard in in mm. you know that's it well the yes. bowling pin yeah. Thing. yeah yeah and it's, there's a lot there's a lot going on that leads up to that and there's a lot of reasons for that being the ending but yeah yeah so so i was just curious if you know what what kind of drew you in to you know the 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 creative aspect of movie watching you know what i mean just in general or this movie and specifically i i think i think in general you kind of you kind of uh you kind of said that and i think with this movie it's like you were saying kind of the johnny greenwood score is one of the creative things that you latched on to well i've certainly never like like looked for a name i mean i guess because he was johnny greenwood from, from right. radiohead and i was just starting to get into Radiohead and things that were definitely not metal, you know, and and yeah. kind of like, uh, and what is it in Rainbows that record came out that yeah, that's like one of my, if not my favorite, one of my favorite Radiohead records. I don't think I've ever like looked out for a name like that, but like yeah. if like if you watch like The Shining or something like that, that score is intense, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't I don't know that guy's name, but the uh, the the I don't know. It's like. I guess I grew up on a, like my um, my mom kind of like was really into uh, Stephen King, so she kind yeah. of grew me up. But as soon as I was, I remember being totally terrified. As soon as I was like old enough to like watch those movies, it's like all right, here you go, I watch it yeah. and The Shining and uh, Cujo and all like Cujo. pretty much like any of those movies. Like, and they're all fucking still terrifying. Uh, yeah, Firestarter. Um, uh, yeah, I just hung out there the other day and we watched the remake of, of uh, Firestarter. It sucks. It's, I was going to ask about that. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, it pretty bad. Um, and uh, but I mean, that's the. Th I'm sorry, I'm I'm kind of straying from the question. But uh, no, 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 no. 
go off on go go off on on whatever tangent that you want to. That's that's the that's the it's reason I ask. I don't know if you you agree, but it's been hard to find a, a, a either um, a horror movie. It's a, I guess a horror movie is specifically that uh, you know I, I like or my wife and I like that's come out recently. Like she's big into uh, the slashers. Yeah, I am too. But we you know down you know in our place have posters you know everywhere yeah. of you know yeah the the classics and stuff. And then you have things like um the omen and stuff like that and like there sure are so many good mo movies from back then oh, you're drawn to this is rosemary's baby is yeah like, that's one of that one's got a great score yeah you know yep. it's like i feel like it's like it's kind of the just the cherry on top a lot of the times where it's like mm -hmm. the movie's great but if you put you know if the score is great too sure um and then you the really blood is really is the that's the one where it's kind of like it's such a it's really just such a key part of every scene. And then the end scene, it just makes it funny. It, it really, because yeah. it, it really just, that, that's not Johnny Greenwood, obviously. And then, but it yeah. makes it hilarious the way that it ends, you know? The classical but, music. But, but I know what you mean is like with some people, I guess I've watched it and they're just like, what, that, that's it? Like, I don't know. Right. I don't know. Why did I just watch that kind of thing? And right. to me, it just makes me want to, every time I watch it, I, I get something a little different out of, Daniel Day Lewis and just the just his face and just this. Oh like, my God! Yeah, the way that well, he reacts. I mean, the the fact that you can trick somebody into thinking that you're their their brother brother removed in some way in that yeah. era of the early 1900s and like you know trick them because you read about them in some newspaper or whatever and and then the way when he finds out the way he just is like gets away with getting rid of him and stuff. And, yep. When it was he, easier he, to be a yeah. criminal back in those days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he says like, "I'll just leave," and then he's and then yeah. They cut back to his face and just how. Oh this. my god! Yeah. Like I don't think I've ever seen somebody look that angry in a movie. And me, <laughs> me and my friends that like were into that movie, we used to joke about that fucking reaction all the time. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I think I, I think what we should pivot into right now is essentially kind of favorite parts from the movie. And like I wrote down like an insane amount of notes and like not to start at the end. But since we've been talking about the end a little bit, I, I, I wrote a note and, and and this is one that like obviously you uh, it sticks the, the ending sticks with you like, you know, you, the the bowling, the bowling ball pin and whatnot. But yeah. I had a thing last night where I watched it and I go let me just watch that one scene one more time. And I, mm. I don't think I've ever actually done that in like, I, I don't think I've watched like a full, like, let me watch the last 20 minutes one more time at the end. Um, right. My buddy, Kevin, when he starts talking, so when he's talking to his son or just when he's talking to Paul Dano, when he's talking to Paul Dano, uh, yeah. his, uh, that's powerful too with his son. But like, I yeah. just think the interaction between him and Paul Dano and that kind of like, that that brings me into another note, but before before I do before I do that, the the watching it back to back, my buddy Kevin, uh, when him and his girlfriend went to go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for the first time, they uh, I've never done this with a movie before, but they literally watched it, they got out, and they went right back to the ticket the ticket booth and said one for the next showing, please, which I think is a pretty fun like you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it kind of when I had to when I rewinded that it, it, last night when I was rewatching it, it reminded me of how he had done that. Um, but but speaking of Paul Dano and Daniel Day-Lewis, there's a, a couple of my notes about them, um, and and some of them are just sentences and thoughts as I'm watching. But uh, Daniel Day-Lewis and Paul Dano taking turns embarrassing each other, both between kind of like you know when uh, he uh, wants to uh, get the permission to put the pipeline through that guy's property, and he's like, "I will if you come to church with me." And it's Paul Dano, and and obviously there's contention there from the beginning because of the religious aspects of it. And before I get into them as actors, really quick. Um, the thing we were kind of talking about and like i kind of think that the two of them in that end scene represent like the worst parts of the aspects of like being a religious person that you can be and i think that the daniel day lewis 
is kind of the I am God, there is no God, I am God. And like, it's kind of like, he's so full of himself. And like, I think that that is one of the worst types of people. And then Paul Dano, obviously being the I use God to take advantage of other people. Kind of like, it's kind of the two worst aspects of religious people battling with each other and it's it's funny how it plays out too where it's like the one who thinks he's god is the one who absolutely pummels the one who is kind of like hiding behind god in a weird way using it and begging for help yeah basically yeah yeah yeah. and 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 even the the begging for help like like it's not framed that way at first it's kind of like i'm doing really well actually and then it's like oh you found out that i'm not you found me out i need your help you know, God is well, God, testing me. An uh, underappreciated scene in that movie is when he gets him. Okay, so he wants the pipeline, and yep. he gets him to go out to the church, and he makes him say, "I've abandoned my boy," and you can see yeah. how much that's pissing him off. Mm-hmm. And then there's a scene where he he shakes his hand and he gets in his ear and he says something, and you don't hear it, but you yeah. you can tell it's not something good. And then yeah. You could, you kind of, I don't know if you, I feel like if you've watched the movie enough, you, that's the end of the movie is where sure. it's like to say like, you know, um, God is a superstition and I'm a false prophet, you know, that, yep. that whole thing. It's like, almost like that's where it, and, and then there's the other scene where he's, like, I'm going to bury you underground, which is one of my yeah. favorite lines in any movie ever. <laughs> it's just, it's <laughs> funny. Cause like he's. His son just goes deaf, and then that, and then he just goes, "When do we get our money?" And he just slaps him. Yeah. And then, then he bury, and then he burying him, uh, dragging him by his hair, and I'm gonna bury you underground, you know. And then all that shit, like all those scenes are connected. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and then they finally kind of like um, come together in that last scene, uh, and then like I don't know, it's just and then the yeah. scene with his son right before it is just the saddest, like meanest just ugliest thing and yeah. then I, i'm just it's like if if the movie ended on that i don't know if i would love it as much because it's, uh-huh. it's just so it's just so awful you know um that he that he like ends his relationship with his son like that it's 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 like amazing that they do that um and they reveal it that way but that but the fact that it ends more on him just pummeling Paul Dano for being such a twerp the whole fucking movie, you know? Sure, sure. Um, I just, I feel like that's just such a better way to end the movie, you know? I'm finished, you know? It's just, it's just... The I'm finished, yeah. You know that yeah. his, like, his life is just... And the, there is the other part of the movie where he just said, uh, where the the oil people are like, we'll make you we'll make you a millionaire while you're sitting here, you know, from minute yeah. to minute. And he's like, well, what would I do with myself? You know, that's 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 a thing that's come up in other films, I feel like. And, and I've heard in conversations, it's like, well, I don't want what am, if I'm a millionaire, what 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 do I do with the rest of my life? I just sit in my fucking house. Right. You know? But eventually he gets there and he has no yeah. family and he has no yeah. friends. He has his like little servant guy. But yeah, that's it. And then he just yeah. and he's a fucking private bowling alley and he just drinks you know whiskey out of a bot you know out of a little yeah. thing i love oh, oh, i love that he's he he wakes up drinks and then paul dano offers him a drink and he goes oh, no, right. i'm good he wants yeah. to take a drink from him like it's great yeah. too yeah 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 i i and i think that like the other thing that these two actors have got going for them that is like there's a couple of people like this right now right now like Mia Goth is in the zone for me. I just saw Infinity Pool the other night. Is that on your radar at all, Infinity Pool? No. I have a list of movies for you that like because I know that you you said you've been frustrated with like trying to find like new horror movies that that are cool that 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 will connect with you. I've Infinity got a few. Pool? Infinity Pool. It's cool. it, it's it's Cronenberg's kid who's okay. directing now. Yeah. But either way, Mia Goth is in that zone where everything she says I'm hanging on to. It's it's the voice, right? I could listen to this person talk forever. Right. James Stewart, James Stewart has it from way back in the 30s and 40s. He's got the southern drawl of like, my god, like, you know, I could just listen to this man talk forever. Mm-hmm. Daniel Day-Lewis has got it. And the thing that's so it's with a lot of these people, the voice 
um, never changes. Daniel Day, even Paul Dano, like every movie he's in, he's got that timbre. Daniel yeah. Day Lewis changes from movie to movie, and that's because he is such a psychopath in terms of just like uh, not. And and this isn't a shot, obviously, because he's mm-hmm. unbelievable. But the uh, he's such like a, a a method guy where he has to literally live the part before he starts to. He 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 never breaks character on set, and like supposedly at the end of shoots, he's like you know very grateful and gracious that um you know everyone dealt with him and shit like that. Um, but he changes that voice from movie to movie, and like it's very gentle sometimes, like the Age of Innocence. But I'm still hanging on to every word that he says. But like you're saying about a lot of the stuff in this movie, like it's the delivery, and it's just the kind of like the accent that he's putting on and you're just like i could listen to this man talk about whatever for another three hours after this movie ends totally you're you're talking about something that i don't necessarily follow which is how actors are on and off set but like like his face like in his delivery just it doesn't even he looked like the same person you know that you see in other movies like he looks like he walked right out of 1898 you know like it looks like he looked like he just went through all this shit for real. And so that's, I, you don't see that often. You know? He's he's officially retired from acting as of right. 2017. And I think that it's because like, and he's one of the like, I really don't know who's method and who's not to. Because like, you know, I'm not like connected with the world of acting. I'm just kind of going off of uh, observations myself. And then what I hear on other podcasts or like interviews or stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. I know that he is like a method guy through and through. And I'm trying to think of what the comparable for that would be in music, right? Where like, because like there's obviously you, I'm sure, are the same way as I am when like stage, the stage brain and like yourself off stage are two completely different people. Yeah, I mean... That's, that's an interesting thing. You know, actually I've, you know, I've, so I have this, this autoimmune disease right now and, um, it causes seizures and what I've been kind of coming back to in the last few weeks is getting back to, um, rehearsals. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what I've been trying to figure out is how do you stay in the moment of playing music? Right. And when you play a show, it's almost like you don't have a choice. Yeah. You, if you if you start to slip into thinking about what you have to do at work the next week, you're going to start fucking up songs and you're going to start looking like you don't know what you're doing. Right. Yeah. And it, it's easier on tour than I guess a, you know, a, a gig, but it's just like, yeah. you know, at rehearsals, it's like, you know, like I had a rehearsal last night and it was like the first five songs. It was like, it was like, you know, killing it felt like we're on stage and then once we took a moment to like talk and take a break and talk about what a set might be it was like I started to I started to lose I I started to think too much outside of the song you know what I mean and I feel like that's that's I guess um I don't know I guess it's just it's just moving moving around right like whether you know be silly about it but like headbanging and fucking dancing and just doing whatever yeah. the fuck you whatever you do on stage that shit helps you to just stay in your song if you if you're just kind of like look staring at the fretboard you know thinking about the notes or thinking about oh, what yeah. comes next or whatever and then you're going to start slipping into other parts of your life you're going to start thinking about just things you don't need to fucking think about. So I can yeah. only imagine acting, you know, if you're like looking at somebody and you know, you're not like character acting or you start thinking about who that person actually is or yeah. what you had, what you spoke about at lunch or whatever, you know, it's yeah. like, it's going to start to be fake. Right. You know? So that's where I guess it would be the same. Cause that's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to fucking get back to is like, or that's what I'm trying to figure out again is like, where do, what do I do to like stay just in, the in a song, in a song, let alone don't have a fucking seizure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That can sneak up on me too. If I, if I start to let too much go on in here, the auto, the limbic part of the brain will start going like, what about this and this and this and this and this? And right. then that's too much. You know, yeah. Um, 
So yeah. character acting is basically essentially what you're doing on stage, I would think. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, the idea of like the so so yeah, uh, like like we're talking about the idea of the comparable for method acting and like like the stage persona. I I like that as the kind of like you have to be locked in for like you're saying your entire set and even a little bit before then maybe too, right? Where it's right. like I'm in the zone. And I, what I like that you said is something that I think about and, and something that I tell students a lot that I teach guitar to. Mm-hmm. Um, the second you start thinking about the frets and what comes next is the second that you're going to start fucking it up. Right. And it's like, there's there's like a very clear path of like um, learning it, practicing it, and then you've got it and it's muscle memory. When it's muscle memory, you don't think about it. And it's like, the second you think about it, that's when you start fucking it up, mm-hmm. I think. And 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 I'm sure that you're the same way. And I wonder if it's the same way with actors and lines and stuff like that. But there comes a time with every riff that you've memorized that is muscle memory where your your fingers like forget for a second and you have to relearn it. Like maybe not every single piece of music that you but like I'm sure there's moon tooth songs and other songs and exercises that you know where it's just like. I've been playing, I played this right a thousand times in a row. I fucked this up like three times in a row now. I have to recalibrate and take a look at it and just like remind myself. It, yeah, I mean, that's basically been my life for the last couple of months since I've, I've gotten out of the hospital. So it's interesting to even have this conversation because I'm still kind of doing that for the whatever we have, three three Bluetooth records and EPs right. and shit. I'm trying to relearn that shit and then get to the riot shit. So it's like, right. I'm like, I have a lot of stuff to relearn. So what I'm hoping is I will relearn it and it will be better. That's best yeah. case scenario, you know? Yeah. So it's like, That's we just put out a record it. and then this happened to me. So I'm pretty, pretty good, pretty solid on those songs. But when I do like the Chrome Paragon songs, that's 2016 already, you know, that's yeah. already years ago, you know, that's like, yeah. that already somehow is several years ago where I'm like, like it, I have to, I have to recalibrate to play those songs, you know, right. I have to take some time to, I mean, they're in there, but yeah. if I want to play them like perfectly, like I used to like, or perfectly, but like be able to stage ready, I need a yeah. little bit of time to like, uh, just take some time with it, you know, hundred uh, percent. and 100%. I don't write like that anymore, which is an interesting part of it too. I don't write, you know, I don't write, we kind of talked about that. Like we don't write like like the crux and phototroph songs are not like the chroma paragon songs at all yeah i mean there's things that are comparable but it's like when we play some of those chroma paragon songs it's like like huh these are there's a lot more parts in these songs and there's right. like more shit going on in these songs like it's, it's sometimes i like that and sometimes i don't you know and that's okay yeah. you know you just get older and you start to write differently and Oh yeah. Actors go through things where they're like, they look at movies, they're like, ugh, why did I do that? You know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Choices, different choices that you make and whatnot. Yeah. 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 I, I, I like that. And you know what I like so far, like when I've been doing these, uh, and this, again, this will be like the 10th one that, that I'll have out. Uh, a lot of the, not a lot of the conversation has been as musical as as it has with me and you and i think that's because we both come from um like wake up and think about guitar uh go to bed and think about guitar kind of brains mm-hmm. um and, and I, I i like that i like that we're delving a little bit more into the musical stuff than even the uh than the movie itself um but to 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 start to wrap up a little bit do you have one little do you have like one little favorite part from this and i'll and i'll give i mean i i think that the end is my favorite part but like do you have one little oh i did want to talk about the inflation thing i'll do that really quick my me and me and lauren my wife we we watch a lot of like 30s 40s 50s noirs and um it's one of those things where like uh i one of my most used visited websites is the inflation calculator so uh, because there's like a heist or like a, you know, a robbery or something like that. And they're like, oh, or like even someone's wage, like, oh, you know, I'll pay you uh, 20 bucks a week. And I'm like, oh, what is that adjusted for inflation? And that's something that I did for this movie a lot where I was like, especially in the beginning where he, he's talking about like, he makes $5,000 a week, $5,000 a week in 1911 is $150,000. Yeah. 
Wow. Fucking insane. 10K for the ranch. He wanted $10,000 from the ranch. That's $300,000. It's fucking insane. I figured it's, it was something insane. insane like that, but that's yeah. that's cool that you actually did the, the math. I'm I it's one of those little nuances where again, like I will be watching something and Lauren will see me whip my phone out after they mentioned some amount of money. She's like, Are you going to the inflation calculator again? And I'll do it even from like 70s and 80s stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm curious about that as well. Um, but do you have any do you have any like moments with this that like that you want to highlight or anything? I know you've gone over a ton already is there anything that you haven't gotten to or anything that you want to just like double down on um you know my favorite you know just the obvious the all the quotes that we talked about you know the big ones but uh one that we didn't talk about that i love one moment in the in the movie that i love is uh uh paul dano um he comes up to Daniel, after they build the Derek, uh, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, I'm, what time, you know, he, he basically asks him, let me uh, open the, the Derek, let me, let me, you know, basically do the introduction, right? Yeah. And he says, I'm going to, I'm going to walk up and I'm going to say, uh, you know, God bless this thing and these, God bless these hills and blah, blah, blah. And I can't remember yeah. the exact zone, he, but he has this whole thing laid out and he says, he says, that's what I'll, you know, you'll, you'll introduce me and I'll walk up and I'll do this and I'll say this. And, and, uh, Daniel Plainview says, what time is good for you? And he says, 4 p.m. He says, okay, well, 4 p.m. then. And then, <laughs> then they should, they cut to the scene. And instead of doing, uh, instead of having him come up, he introduces his little sister and says the yeah. exact same thing. But has his little sister do it just to, just to fucking slap him in the face. That's like one of my favorite scenes in the movie that if you're not paying attention it's easy to kind of miss yeah it's like so the whole any chance he gets to kind of kick him you know like just to kind of give him a little slap you know he does and i just fucking love that and that's there's just so many little moments like that in the movie but beyond that it's like um oh man there's the scene where he where he the guy we met we did mention like the how easy it was for like you to pretend the identity thing someone's brother brother. yep you know and then just to kind of take advantage of it and then you know he murders that guy and buries him and he finds and he realizes like he finds the book like the journal and he realizes that you know he sent hw off for for no his his adopted son for no reason and then they cut that scene of him like hysterical it's just like I don't know if I've ever seen anything quite so like revealing, like so real in, in a movie or some hysterical crying in that and it's that, in that scene. It's very, very realistic looking. It's a it's a perfect movie. It really it like, you know, it's one of those I've been um everyone when I when I've been asking people to be on the show, I've been asking, like, you know, what is um and I ask what movie you're gonna do. This was one of the ones where I was like, because you know, I get to re I have to rewatch all of these. And all the movies have been good. This is, I think this might be one of my favorites. This might be one, like, one of the best ones that, like, I'm uh, the most excited I've been to rewatch something. So I'm, I'm very, very. You did this one three times already? No, 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 no. I'm saying, like, this is one of the, like, top three, like, maybe even my favorite that, like, any of the ones that someone picked is what I'm saying. Oh, okay, Um, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be pretty funny if I did three separate There Will Be Blood episodes. (laughs) it is a good movie so you know <laughs> there's a lot to talk about you know yeah i mean yeah i never get tired i mean i'm sure if i watch it once a week i get tired of it but like i definitely watch this movie like at least once a year if not more yeah um, yeah i i think it's deserving of that um let's do this uh the game is called you just got juiced like you said you're 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 kind of like in and out with pta and just like the the uh just just the kind of vibe of like uh what he's been up to uh, his career and whatnot um again these are less gotchas and more talking points i i've i've been called out by someone uh that one of one of the first people that i interviewed where he goes you're gonna you're gonna quiz me on my favorite movie now is this a gotcha um so (laughs) it's not like that and and uh there's a whole section for score too which i think you'll you'll be you'll be cued in on okay multiple choice for a few of these and honestly just guess 
Mm-hmm. Paul Tom the the subject of you just got juiced this episode is Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh PTA was born in A New York City, B La La Lands, LA, C London, England, D Miami, Florida. I'm gonna say New York City. LA. So that's kind okay. of the closest, I think, because I think those are the two big hubs in terms of create like the the general like hubs for creative yeah i had no idea so i was just going with the closest to home yep yep all right all of these four i'm gonna name four movies some of them are fake um and then some and then some of them could be real uh what is a slated paul thomas anderson movie like the next one of his next projects that he has coming up uh a conversation which is a movie that is an original screenplay written by his daughter B Boogie Nights two C Pinocchio adaptation or B or D a Big Mouth live action movie. I'm gonna go with the first one. It is yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. That's that's correct. I think the other ones are a little bit ridiculous. Although I will say this, I'm glad I got one he, right. He was he was in talks to do a Pinocchio movie for a very long time, and supposedly it's kind of an obsession with directors or I just people who the make one movies. On Netflix now, I keep Del Toro. To, yeah, I keep being told to watch it. I gotta watch it too, just because Del, I feel like you're a Del Toro guy to a certain extent. I just watched all of the uh, this the short stories, and I liked them a lot. Yeah. I thought they were fun. I didn't yeah. like all the um, the computer generated shit necessarily but i did love the story there were some good stories in there i gotta i gotta do that i gotta do that but yeah so uh next thing he's working on is a screenplay written by his daughter the reason i included the big mouth thing is because maya rudolph mouth do you do you have you ever seen that that animated show on netflix big mouth um no this is not a great story for me because i don't have a memory right now (laughs) that's okay yeah. That's either way. He's married to Mayor Rudolph, Maya Rudolph, whatever, and she she is one of the um, she's one of the voices on that show. That's why I, that's why I added that. It's a little bit of fun. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, which actor is PTA most collaborated with? A. Daniel Day Lewis. B. Maya Rudolph. C. Adam Sandler. D. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, that's correct. And they've made four movies together. Wow. Boogie Nights, Magnolia, uh, Punch Drunk Love, and The Master. Um, he is one Boogie of those. Boogie Nights again, because I remember that was a great movie, and I, I think I've only seen it once. That's a you movie for sure. Just like the idea of like you know it being engrossed in the seventies and eighties, and and like I feel mm-hmm. like that's a you movie. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, Academy Award wins. Uh, do you know if he's got any Academy Award wins? And I'm gonna. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna list off four movies. It's a little bit of a trick. It's a little bit of a. Uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to trick when I do these. Um, he could either have none of the and uh, no awards for any of these movies, or he could have multiple awards. So basically, I'm gonna list off these movies, and you pick which ones you think he's won awards for, if any. Keep in mind, zero is also an answer. A. There will be blood. B. Boogie Nights. C. Licorice Pizza. D. Phantom Thread. Uh, was it the last one? Phantom Thread. Uh, have you seen Phantom Thread? That movie rips. Mm, I, I can't remember. I, I think you'd like it. Either way, either way, zero wins, but he's been eleven. Zero, uh, okay. zero wins, but he's been nominated eleven times, which is which is a lot. Uh, Johnny Greenwood did the score. Some other scores that he did were he's like PTA's guys. Johnny there Greenwood will be blood. did the score for Phantom Thread. He did, yeah. So he's done okay. the score for. There will be blood, the master, inherent vice, phantom thread, and then a couple of the I other love ones. Him as a musician, as an artist, guitar player. Yeah. So anything with him. He, I'm just write he that down. He's so there's. Uh, I'm gonna send you a list of a bunch of stuff that I think that you'll like okay, after cool. this. Uh, but he's also done. You were never really here, which is a great movie. Spencer, Power of the Dog, which was a big awards yeah, you know, player last year. That sounds familiar too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his first movie was, uh, I thought it was Boogie Nights for a second, but then I just looked at, I, I know that I'm wrong. It's Hard Eight, yeah. So his first movie is Hard Eight. His highest grossing movie in the U.S. is There Will Be Blood. His highest grossing movie worldwide is There Will Be Blood. And his newest movie is Liquor's Pizza. I don't know if you've seen that. No. It's it's good. It's cute. It's cute is what I'll say. Um, all right. Um, Zoom's going to kick us off in a minute, but Nick, this was a lot of fun. and. Um, mm-hmm. We're gonna 
uh, we're going to be seeing each other in a couple months. Uh, yeah. Maybe even before then. Who knows? You know. Um, I'm going to try to make it out to the AMH show if I yeah, can. Yeah, sick. Sick, I'm sick. Not, I'm not allowed by the country to drive. <laughs> so I'll see completely if I can understandable. Probably get a ride. Yeah. Uh, but if not, thank you for having me. This was really fun to do. I loved talking about There Will Be Blood and just to hang out with you was fun. So it's 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 one of the things that like uh excuse to do the pod, whether it catches on or whether or not, it's nice to hang out with my friends for like an hour and a half. It's just it's just great. Um yeah, man. Totally. but I'm gonna have you back on. We're gonna do whenever I start doing recurring guests. When 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 people when I run out of people that want to talk to me, I'm gonna go back to or even before then, I'm just gonna reach back and be like, hey, I want to talk about. We should do a Hellraiser episode. I think let's lock that in. That'd be cool. I'm gonna try to read uh, read that book before we do. Oh that. yes, Hellbound Heart. You should read that. That thing rips. I've got it on my shelf. I've got it on my shelf right there. I've got a. I've got a whole Clive Barker shelf in the middle there, and I've got I a little CD head. I read it, but it got lost in my limbic encephalitis brain. Yeah. So I'm gonna. It gives me a chance to re-experience things. That's, That's pretty part of it. Yeah. Hey, yeah, hey, uh, that is good. So yeah. you know, as good as it can be. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, how about Heart Rocks, dude? Um, all right, we're gonna do a hell. So, Nick, with the last minute or so, do you have anything that you want to plug? Um. No, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Listen to Moon Tooth. Listen to Cryptodira. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two, your life. Two, Enjoy your life. <laughs> yeah. Two, a, a lot of good, a lot of good advice there. And uh, you'll, you'll hear from Nick again when we do a Hellraiser episode. Cool. It's going to be great. All right. Thank you again, Nick. I'll, right. I'll I'm just, I'm going to shoot you a text. All right. Cool. Peace. Adios.